introducing Mr. Kawada himself, my dad. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're listening, however you're listening, this is Quantum of History. I am your host, Donnie Waldron. Welcome into another episode. Today is going to be episode 35. We're going to revisit Live and Let Die. More specifically, we're going to be speaking about critical race theory, and I'm going to bring on last year's guest, Mario. Uh, we're going to have another conversation. I think that this year's com- this, this episode conversation is even better than the last one that we had. You guys really enjoyed it the first time he spoke, uh, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy the conversation that we had today. And what today's episode is going to be about is just explaining what critical race theory is, what the history of it is, um, and then kind of using some analogies to further illustrate what, how critical race views things. And then I'm going to have an interview with Mario that, that lasts for a little while, but I, it's just so good. Uh, he's so good. He's so entertaining. So I, I think you guys are going to really enjoy today's episode. T- speaking personally, I, this has been a difficult episode for me to write, to uh, produce, to edit. One, I put a lot of effort into the YouTube uh this episode, there's a lot that goes into it. So if you get a chance, check it out on YouTube. There's a lot of visuals that go with it. And you can actually see the interview um, that me and Mario have. And the other thing is that this is these are not easy topics to talk about. It's a lot easier. You, know, you can talk about Bond or you know, like my, my Bond girl bracket thing that I've got going on. Like That stuff is so easy because there's not much. You're not putting yourself out there a lot. And when you speak about a topic like this that's so charged and there's so much emotion there's so many feelings about it and there's so much misconception about everything it's very hard um it's very i say you you feel very vulnerable doing it and and you i just agonized over editing uh where i should go with it what i should talk about and it's just it's um this is not this is one of the hardest topics to talk about one just because obviously i'm white so i already have a, a reference where um it's difficult to speak on and you can face backlash and you can go there. But I think that I'm, I have to just not, you know, I don't want to let uh, trepidation or, or be scared to tackle these topics because I don't, I just think it's important and I want to speak on them. And like you said, it's not easy. It's so much easier. These bond girl brackets and all these things or other episodes that I do just doing history just saying facts and kind of talking about things is it's harmless. You're not putting yourself out there. But when you talk about theory, I always say there's there's talking about bond or, or talking about history and then talking about the theory behind history when you put when you interpret things. You know, I'm not just giving facts and, and that's what I always try to do with this this podcast is I'm not trying to just give facts. I'm not just trying to talk about I'm not trying to be an encyclopedia. I'm trying to take the facts and I'm trying to take instances in history and then apply them to theory based and, and turn them into modern thoughts and, and try to think speaking not just in what they were, but what they mean. And this live and let die is so ripe with, with in Harlem in the 1960s, 70s, 80s, and then starting in the 90s, and then how it cleaned up into today. There's so much that you can delve into, and there's so much into the way that Fleming writes as opposed to when the movie comes out. And you got 20-year gap, and you see how things change. And to understand the theories that have come out now based on a race, again, they're not easy to talk about. They can, certainly can be uncomfortable to talk about. Um, but I, I did my best. I did my best to, to both give everything justice that needs to. 
and really tried to think I spent so many hours in my own head and ever since this has come out and ever since these things have come on <clears throat> even in my own head if I'm at the gym or I'm running or anything I, I my my mind will trailer off and I'll try to think about things and formulate my own thoughts on things and really try to internalize these things and it's not easy and it's not easy to always put it out there so I always appreciate you guys reaching out afterwards um, you guys do it a lot for so I get so much good feedback uh, from you guys so I really appreciate that and this is one of those times again where um, it's not easy the topic's not easy but I really I, I like how this this episode came out I really like how the YouTube came out uh, and the interview with Mario is always a treat to talk to him so I'm gonna get into it we're gonna get into uh, the whole topic we're gonna talk about live and let die and we're gonna talk about critical race theory It's been just over a year since the first time we discussed Live and Let Die, and so much has changed. The book and the movie were works of arts, but they're also encapsulated history. When you look at how Live and Let Die looks at race, it is a snapshot of the times. Reading the novel Live and Let Die demonstrates just how different the language, tone, and the lens on which Fleming was writing were. And nearly 20 years later, the movie then comes out. And while it does update the sentiment and tone of the novel, it still is rudimentary of what is acceptable and what is racist. Hey, you know where you going, man? Uptown, I believe. Uptown? You headed into Harlem, man. Well, you just keep on the tail of that jukebox and there's an extra 20 in it for you. Hey, man, for 20 bucks, I'll take you to a Ku Klux Klan cookout. One thing that stands out in the film is the segregation and the overall shape in which Harlem itself is in. Nearly homogeneously black, Roger Moore in his light-colored suits sticks out, sticks out like a sore thumb. He's heading east. Can't miss it. It's like following a cue ball. And they reference that in the movie. The taxi driver saying, you got a honky on your tail. 125th, you got a honky on your tail. And making light how Bond is the only white person in the neighborhood. The buildings are collapsed and much of the area is dilapidated. Now fast forward today, Harlem is integrated with numerous races and the housing market is expensive and is flourishing. The streets are taken care of and the sight of a building in tatters and rubble is nearly extinct in Harlem now. So why was Harlem a mess when it was all black and immaculate now that it's multi-ethnic population? Is it a sign of just natural progression of America? Or was Live and Let Die in Harlem in the 1970s a sign of something more? When last year I decided to approach the topic of race relations in America, the wave of anti-police sentiment was steaming, steamrolling through the American paradigm as George Floyd's death uh, really rocked the, the nation. And in the middle of the pandemic, millions were taken to the streets to protest what they perceived as systemic racism, police brutality, white supremacy, and a myriad of other beliefs. The main idea was that the American system itself was designed to oppress non-white peoples. Sweeping changes through police officers and judges, how they're held accountable, and how they enforce the law were indoctrinated across the country. Europe felt the wave too, as England, France, and many other European countries felt the, pr the pressure of the protest. Groups like Black Lives Matter had their flags and mantra on NBA courts and jerseys, 
NFL players had and the names of people they believed to be victims of police brutality on their helmets. Soccer stadiums, the BLM flag was flying. It was seen everywhere. News stations spent multiple hours of every day talking about race relations. In elections among Democrats in the United States, racism was seen as the number one issue facing America in some polls. People on Instagram were posting black pictures uh, to show their support of black people. The whole thing became like a trendy as stars and prominent figures took part in the virtue signaling of the day. As the sentiment swept the nation, a once obscure theory came to prominence, critical race theory. What this episode is going to look at is critical race theory, what it is, what its impact of all this emphasis on race has done to society, and has the emergence of critical race theory as a mainstream idea um, and the emphasis of race along with it been good or bad for the country? And where do we see the country going forward? Critical race theory's roots go back to the 1970s, but didn't become branded until the name crossed critical race theory until 1989. Critical race theory began with legal scholars Derek Bell, Kimberly Crenshaw, and uh, Richard Delgado. Derek Bell was the first tenured black professor at Harvard Law School in 1973. His book, Race, uh, Race, Racism, and American Law, published in 1970, is still taught in law schools across the country. Derek Bell was one of Barack Obama's favorite legal scholars and a reference for him for much of his political career. Crenshaw officially coined the term critical race theory when she helped organize a conference of legal scholars to speak on the new ideas in the theory. There are a couple of main ideas that those who teach and prescribe to critical race theory believe. The first is that racism is a social construct rather than a biological or individual feeling. Racism is taught, racism is promulgated through a series of social structures designed to keep those in power at the expense of minorities, specifically blacks. The second part is that you have to acknowledge that these institutions exist are racist. The racism is so deep in institutions in everyday life that many do not even see that the systems are in place are in fact racist. This includes everything. I mean, everything includes banking, elections, education, workforce, media, just about every facet of society. Critical race theory does not define what racism is because they see racism as fluid and ever-changing. To define it would make no sense to critical race theory because of how dynamic racism is. It rejects the idea that racists are aberrations or that they can never just be bad apples. Defending institutions and dismissing them as having a couple of racist people severely minimalizes the extent to which racism is deeply embedded in culture. Instead, the recognition that law and the structures of law and policy create unequal outcomes proves that racism is a higher problem than that of the individuals with racist thoughts. These facts are institutional racism are masked by language used such as mainstream, normal, traditional, and other terms associated with the attempt to cement racist ideology and dismiss critical race theory. The remedy cannot be equal opportunity but rather equal outcome. Critical race theory suggests that only the outcome of law and policy can determine if the policy is racist or not. This idea was born out of critical legal studies. Critical legal studies rejected the former idea of law that law was neutral, unbiased, and objective. The idea is that law and policy could never be neutral because they are born out of ideas of the ruling class. 
Ian Fleming himself wrote in the novel Goldfinger that law is the crystallized prejudices of the community. Critical legal studies say that same thing in essence, that even if it is being sold as objective neutral, the implementation of law will never be that. It is because of that that the outcome of policy, as it relates to minorities, has to be weighed substantially before deciding whether or not the law is racist. Critical race theory does not reject the role of law, however. It finds it useful, but only when pushed through the, as the outcome. As critical laws evolved, people like Ibram X. Kennedy uh, now say you're either anti-racist or racist. There is no such thing as just being not racist. If you are not actively fighting this perceived systemic racism that is embedded in Western society, then you yourself are guilty of being a racist. It is not enough to simply not view color or try to be objective. One must accept that all of the world is racist and everyone in it is racist. And in addition, you must actively seek the remedy of all racism in the world or else you yourself are racist. The onus is on the individual to every day seek out minority stories to enrich and deprogram their racist indoctrination. That white people need to examine what their whiteness is, how it affects minorities, and only through rejecting a person's own whiteness and actively fighting against their whiteness and white privilege can one ever be absolved of races, whiteness, they are programmed to already have. Kendi believes that in order for you to be an anti-racist, you must also be an anti-capitalist. Kendi states that racism and capitalism emerged at the same time in the 15th century in Western European nations, and they've been reinforced they've been reinforcing each other from the beginning. Now, much of what critical race theory believes in is rooted in Marxism, where capitalism is rooted in the idea that the individual choice measures the outcome. Critical race theory and Marxism share the idea that it is the social constructs that burden and oppress the lower classes or the different races. Critical race theory takes those ideas and just substitutes class for race and expands upon it. One can see this in the idea of critical race theory supports. Many of the proponents of critical race theory on support of universal health care, heavy taxation, universal college, anti-capitalist and anti-competition policies. Competition in free market keeps oppression and therefore law and government must step in and implement outcome-based solutions to attain anti-racism. So where does this leave us? Where do we go from here? It has been over a year since the death of George Floyd, race relation emphasis has been front and center, and critical race theory has gained traction throughout the country. So the controversy over critical race theory continues as more and more institutions are adopting it. Let's break down how critical race theory would view live and let die. And for this, I'm gonna ask my good friend, Tanner. Tanner just finished his first year of uh, undergrad, and so he's well-versed on this, so I'm gonna go ahead and turn it over to Tanner. Tanner, uh, let's go ahead and explain how uh, critical race theory would um, would look at Live and Let Die. Thanks a lot, Johnny. This is Tanner. I just finished finished my first semester at Cal State. Um, my eyes are open. They were so closed, and now they're open. So thanks for giving me this opportunity. Come in here, talk about Live and Let Die. Watched it, bro. Bond, James Bond's a tool of the oppression, man. And Mr. Big was like, he was fighting a machine, yo. He was fighting a man. That's why Reagan, Reagan just didn't let crack. 
telling you, man, as a critical, I'm a critical race theorist. You know, I'm a savant with this stuff, right? So what we got to do, the only way to do it, man, is we got to take away all the institutions. The police, they got to get out of there. Man, they're James Bond, tool of the oppression. Police, tool of the oppression. They're all tools, man. They're all just working for the machine. So what we got to do, all right, check this. So we got to get all those institutions, got to get them out of there. You know, those neighborhoods, they need, they need social programs. They need government funding. That's what they need. Lots of government funding. So we need, we need to rip away the government and then use the government to fund them. You know, make sure the corporations don't go in there. You know, that's the problem. Because we got to take down the institutions, man. Thank you, Tanner. That was great. Um, I know first semester of college, you really, really learn everything there is to know. Um, and you don't really even need to have life experience. Just that first semester of college, Tanner. Again, thank you for coming in and enlightening us all. Uh, great stuff. So let's look at how Harlem actually came, because Harlem is a really nice place now. So how is it flourishing today? How did Harlem come out of the squalor that was the early 90s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and just into the 90s? Harlem throughout the 70s and 80s was in disarray. Crime was rampant, uh, garbage, vacant houses, they all lined the streets. Businesses and populations were leaving, and they were leaving in droves. All the while, government was dumping $100 million into the area, into career development centers, just pouring money into it, just adding more agencies. The government started a 1980s program, started to subsidize to make locals buy the property. These properties would be even be refurbished by the city, and they would be sold below market. This government program quickly was found to be used by churches, charities, and other schemes in order to swindle money out of the government. Everything the government tried in the area failed and millions of dollars of tax dollars were just thrown away in the process. By, the 19, by 1990, Harlem had its population floor, having dropped 57% since 1950. I was about to change though. Rather than giving money out, what New York City did is gave hundreds of millions of dollars in tax breaks to companies in order for them to come in and redevelop the area. The Upper Manhattan Empowerment Zone completely revitalized Harlem. And by 1995, Starbucks and Ben and & Jerry's had moved in. With tax breaks and huge amounts of capital, Harlem was in the midst of another renaissance. Whereas in the 1920s and 30s it had a cultural renaissance, Harlem was now having an economic renaissance. Mayor Giuliani beefed up police presence and police initiatives in the area. And with the economic development and the increase in police, crime was down, retail stores were moving in, and again, I think most people would agree that lowering infant mortality rate, uh, increasing wages, increasing jobs, lowering crime, and upgrading infrastructure would all be considered progress. But again, critical race theory wouldn't necessarily agree. Because with that progress, the black population declined in the area, whites and Latinos moved in, and then again, the flay of souls are gone, Applebee's moved in, and there was mass incarceration of minorities. And with this, the retail companies moving in, the rich history of Harlem was kind of fading out. In the first episode, we talked to Mario, and he spoke about his experience in D.C., where the same thing happened, where they used to play go-go music, um, and now white people are walking Yorkies. No one theory is absolute, right? And most of the time, aspects of them are grounded in facts. Harlem and Live and Let Die have plenty of examples of where CRT could be used, how it proves their point about how things were. And that is true. But the prescription for the ailment of Harlem 
with tax breaks, commercial development, and police presence fixed Harlem. But you also can't be done without acknowledging that culture and the soul of an area should also be represented. Um, businesses, corporations that are made to make money. Government workshops though and programs fail all the time. And when you work on the side of Marxism, it fails over and over and over again. The idea of taking money from developers, taxing exorbitantly, and redistributing that wealth into far less efficient government programs has constantly led to decay. And you're seeing it in U.S. cities now as cities are implementing less police, more tax, less investment, and they're seeing huge spikes in crime and huge declines in population. And the biggest statement that you can make is where you live. And when there's a population exodus, it shows how bad the areas are and it's clearly not working. So what critical race theory does is it diagnoses where there are discrepancies in life. And it takes away personal choice. It does a good job. I mean, there are, that's the thing about it, is you can absolutely see in society there are things that were rooted in racism. You can see that. You can see high rises, public housing, where it's homogeneously one race. You can see that for sure. But the fix for that is not more government spending. Government, and you also have to make accountability for your freedom of choice. All right? There are certain things that you can blame everything on. But when you constantly blame, when you blame everything, when you blame everything on race and you don't take personal accountability, that's... That's, that's not it. That's not the American way. The American way is that you work hard. You work hard, and in one generation, you can change your status. All right? Some cultures, you do not get that chance. You can literally, in one generation, be born in one, one demographic and be levels and levels above that by the time that your kids are ready for their generation. And uh, to simply just say it's always somebody else's fault is just, it, it can't be that way. And I'm not one of these people who think that critical race theory should be banned from the planet. I always think that you should broaden your horizons on things and look at different things from different lenses. And when you want to look at how things are, how things are, how things have gotten this way, you sh you can put on the critical race theory glasses and look at look at the world through that lens. The, the old saying, however you think it's going to go, it'll go. If you constantly have to teach or you constantly have to think that uh, I am not going to get anywhere or my kids aren't going to get anywhere because of the color of their skin or because of their status in life, whether it's We'll just use Marxism, the same thing. If, if you're born into a certain class, you can't get anywhere because the people in power are going to constantly oppress you and all this stuff. That, that's no way to live. That's such a negative, pessimistic way to live. Work hard, all right? Work hard, get your stuff done, and there are rewards. The, the example I always use, and I'll use it again, because I think it, it's, it's a great example because there's, it's outcome-based, based on work ethic alone and losing weight uh, or getting fit. Critical race theory would look at that same thing and say, <clears throat> no, no, if there's a discrepancy, it's because there's institutions, all right? There's not enough gyms on every corner. People are, ha don't have access to personal chefs and all this other stuff. And I would argue that if you were to put a gym on every corner, give away a free gym membership to every corner, put a personal nutritionist every corner, a chef, a five-star chef, Gordon Ramsay's there, flipping stuff, yelling at people, tell, calling them donkeys, all right? If this beef was any less cooked, it would moo. Like, if you put that on every corner, right, of, across every place and across the world, a gym membership, free, there it is. A nutritionist, there it is. Go use it. If you give all that stuff, I will still argue till I'm blue in the face that there's still going to be obesity in this world. Why? Because people still have to have individual choice. Also, when that gym membership is there all the time and nutritionist is there all the time, you take it for granted. You don't realize all the work and all the effort it puts to put a personal chef 
that person has to be trained, that gym has to be maintained, all sorts of stuff. If you don't, and you don't appreciate that thing. So that that's the thing. I, and critical race theory would say that, no, no, no. Until everybody is skinny, until everybody has a six-pack, something is racist. And that's it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous notion to think to completely take up to completely disregard personal choice. Why? Because some people just some people just aren't going to do it. Just like with economics and just like status, some people just are not going to do it. That's just a part of life. And some people with crime, sometimes there's just bad people. It's not anything to do. It has nothing to do with anything other than the fact that that person is just a bad person. That's what it is. What we're going to do is I'm going to bring in my good friend Mario. He's going to come in, talk more about it. You, you were, he was here for last year. And where do we go from here? All right. What's going on? Welcome back. It's been a year. Yes, sir. Can you believe it's been a year already? Man, this shit is crazy. It has Blind. been. What, I mean, the fact, and what, the amount of things that have changed in one year since we last did this man, is insane. this is crazy, man. So I'm excited to have you on again. Last time we came in here, uh, everyone said how great you were. Nothing but glowing reviews. Thank you, thank and now they get to see the glowing smile. Yeah, no, I know. I'm a little rough. You know, I haven't shaved in like a month and hair a little, little crazy, but I'm good. I'm good. I said it wasn't just the voice. It was the golden <laughs> smiles. Look at that thing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. <laughs> so we're going to go in and talk about, again, living like that, mainly specifically critical race theory. Mm-hmm. So what we talked about the first time was just race relations and what your experience was before. Yes, sir. And since we've gone and done the first episode, now we're a year mm-hmm. later. Mm-hmm. Things are a little different. A lot different. A lot different. A lot different. So just kind of give you an overview about what you've seen over this last year and basically your whole feelings of what has gone on over this last year. I mean, just, just in the whole society, I think every everybody's trying to make, in mind, this is like my opinion, uh, they have the problem, right? Mm-hmm. But they're not giving out the solutions for the problem. Mm-hmm. So everybody's saying, with, with this held us back, this hold us back. But they're not teaching us or teaching our youth how we can overcome these problems. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's always somebody else's fault. Yeah. But I'm, us. But 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 what's the solution to it? Yeah. You know what I mean? And not giving us the 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 path to go go that way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's kinda of like making you feel like, damn, we what are you trying to say? I can't solve things on my own. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, that's. I feel like that's what's being preached and shoved down everybody's throat all the time is all the reasons why things are the way they are, right? And everything is the problem, and everything is the problem, and everything is the problem. But we haven't talked about what got us there and there and what we're going to go going forward. Going forward, yes. We we stuck in the past, and this is what held us down. But what what resources are you going to give us to get out of this Mm -hmm. and be as equal as everybody? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's kind of what we're talking about. We're talking about equality versus equity, right? Yes, sir. We're talking about outcomes versus um, having oppor- equal opportunity versus equal outcomes, mm-hmm. right? Now, there's certainly, when we talked about a lot this the first time, since the first episode, about things that you experienced as far as um, growing up and things were going to be a little harder, right? Mm-hmm. And you talked about that before. Like, when you were, what, were you, what were you told as young? As, as more See, advice told, that you got. So I was told, uh, you know, one thing I did, I had positive male figures in my in my life. I had my grandfather, I had my father, I had my stepfather. So, in the beginning, I'll I go back to I was like five years old that things are going to be harder for you. Mm-hmm. These are the steps that you got to do to not get caught up in certain situations. You know what I mean? It's not fair. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Life ain't fair. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Society's not fair. 
But for you to achieve the things that you want to achieve, these are the steps that you don't have to take and these the the hiccups that you can't afford to make. Yeah. And then if you do make those mistakes, what you got to do, you got to work three times as hard as your white counterpart or anybody else mm. to achieve that same goal that, that 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 person has. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's how I always had that mindset. You know what I mean? I always had that mindset that I had to be better than my white counterparts at mm. anything that it comes to education. I'm going to have to work harder. Mm. You know what I mean? At athletics, I'm, I was I would have to work harder. Yeah. And, and that's, all, that's how I was always taught that. You know what I mean? Always taught that. Now, I, I teach that to my daughter. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's seven years old. You have to give her a realistic, objective um, world that you don't have these hardships. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, I also think that, you know, like I said, like when it comes to mental health and everything like that, that they're teaching our kids that accept weakness. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. If you have a problem with, and when I when it comes to mental health, like that's one of your defects, right? So what do you work? What do you do on your defects? You don't just complain or you don't just medicate yourself. Yeah. You work on it. You get therapists. You know what I mean? And you keep building yourself. If I if I'm if it's ch- if if I'm weak in bench press, right? <laughs> what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna keep yeah. benching. I'm gonna do push ups, and I'm gonna build that. And that's how we gotta do it. You know, when it comes to depression and mental illness too, we gotta have those. We have to recognize that we have mm-hmm. that deficiency in that area. And we got to work on it daily, constantly, all the time. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So it, it is about work. I mean, there is a, a part where, you know, you're going to be behind the eight ball, especially if you're born. Oh, let's yeah. say you're born into projects or you're born without anything to do. Or you're mm-hmm. born in one of these housing developments. You're going to have to work harder because you are in a deficit. Yeah. But you're going to have to work harder. Absolutely. And it's not going to be always everybody else's fault because there are going to be chances that you're going to have. Mm-hmm. And when you do work, you are going to get the results. But there are steps that you're going to have to take. You might not get the results that you want. Yeah. You You might not 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 be a millionaire. You know what I mean? You might be average Joe. But guess what? Average Joe is better than what you are. are. And then your kids, they don't have that. They don't be a step above. Mm -hmm. And then generation goes. If you keep on instilling in them that this is how it is, generational wealth and you help build generational wealth yeah it doesn't come from nowhere no no not at all it doesn't come from nowhere i don't think anybody wants to hear constantly that it's you're never going to achieve it because you have a system that's not there not not built built to achieve yeah because there are places and there are avenues i think in this society where you can work and you can get your outcome based and i use an example of of weight loss if you put Mm -hmm. if you put a gym on every corner a nutritionist on every corner Mm -hmm. and you put it free i'll still argue that there's still going to be obesity in this country absolutely absolutely so if i give you a government program which we do we throw Baltimore City is a great example of it that it spends more per student than any other place exactly. in the nation, but and no it's not getting the results. You need to have no incentives for it. You know what I mean? And then, and that's it. When you give, yeah. and you pass it just this year, just they're going to pass everybody. They're going to exactly. pass everybody. Exactly. And look at this Baltimore City education system. Yeah, and it's it's just passing people. They had you saw the uh, one article. The kid, uh, he was in he pulled a graduate. He was twelfth grade, but. He had only enough credits for ninth grade or something like that. It was yeah. crazy. But the mom comes on the, on on, t- on TV and blames nothing but the education system. Somebody failed this kid. Yeah. For one thing, first off, you failed the kid. <laughs> you failed your child. <laughs> you exactly. failed your child I mean, from the start. You got to look at your own self. You know what I mean? And then that's kind of the point that I always make is that 
Yes, there are certainly that. But if yeah. you are going to not do half the work too, I can yeah. put the gym there. I can put the nutritionist there, but you got to go to the gym and do the nutritionist. Mm-hmm. We can put funding and stuff like that. But if you're a mom and you don't know your kid ain't been to school in two years. 80, yeah, eighty. the kid missed 80%. Yeah, you don't know your kid's in school. Yeah, like, come on now. At some point, it has to be that. And that's where I think the flaw of critical race theory constantly happens is that, yes, there are certainly, like you said, mm-hmm. when you were growing up, you knew you had to work three teams harder. Yeah. You are at a deficit, and we're progressing to change that. And I hope that one day we absolutely have that complete equality, right? But the equity thing, it's not going to happen. And it's never going to be complete equity because some people, white people are still going to be lazy, uh-huh. black people are still going to be lazy. There are still going to be certain aspects of mm-hmm. races that have it because it's individuals more than any of the systematic. And I'm, I'm going to put it in my childhood, it's never going to be equality when it comes mm-hmm. to things. It's just, it's right. And you know, it's, it's the truth. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm always going to say, you don't have to work harder than any of your counterparts to mm-hmm. do what you do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and that's just my mindset. Like I said, most people, you know, they live in this this world that everybody's hunky dory. People don't like everybody. Got to like each other. Everybody mm-hmm. has to have the same opinion. No, people are going to disagree. People don't have their biases, and that's the way of life. And we have to find a way to navigate through that to a, make yourself better. And that's a great point. Is that accepting? Is that accepting that there are going to be differences absolutely exactly what you said if i have a different opinion or you have a different opinion mm-hmm. or we look at things two two different ways you have to accept that of it's, other people exactly and it's not and accept your biases and be that person that you can change not the whole group but guess what if you change two people's biases about say you're african-american man mm-hmm. change two white dudes that's from West Virginia that never been around a black guy mm-hmm. and you're the first black guy that they meet and you represent yourself and you talk a certain way and you don't change their bias. Mm-hmm. Not, not, probably not not that much, but guess what? You don't change it a little bit and that's all we need, man. Yeah. yeah, and then we can all live in one umbrella of of being an American and being capitalist and mm-hmm. stuff like that where we reward hard work, reward ethics mm-hmm. and then and ethics not just in in everyday life mm-hmm. being good to thy neighbor yes. you know treat on unto another as you'd like to be treated right these kind of foundational things we can have and then the umbrella of like let's look at the christmas tree not the ornaments mm-hmm. right the ornaments are the other things that we're talking about exactly. the christmas tree if we can have a foundation of family unity mm-hmm. and working hard and being together and taking care of your community even in something as small as well, I say I say it's small, but it becomes big and, and trash, yeah. and not throwing things on the ground, and then taking care of and that taking ownership of your exact that ownership. ownership. Yeah, ownership. You don't appreciate it more. You don't, you invest more into your property. You invest more into your things, and that's going to make the whole community better. Mm-hmm. If ownership, you yeah. know what I mean. And you don't have somebody just come clean your house or renovate your house or your apartment just because. Yeah. After you know, I I didn't trash it. Got holes in it. Uh, bust the pipes. And everything like that, yeah. you know. What I mean? And you have somebody else come, come fix it for free. Yeah. It takes you when you have ownership. You take care of your things and you appreciate Absolutely. them. And you chain onto your your sons and the next generation. Exactly. How how it take care of your stuff. Yeah, that's take it. care of your things because you worked hard for them. Yes, sir. And you appreciate them, and that's, that's how right. things. I mean, I think people take for granted how hard it was for us to get into this mm-hmm. point as mm-hmm. far as the society and America in general. Mm-hmm. This was. People came on boats, right? And other ways, in slavery, in mm-hmm. immigration, and mm-hmm. all sorts of things. They had a hardship, and mm-hmm. they, 
the way we progress is through hard work. It was not through it government. Wasn't through government. It wasn't through government all. subsidies. And, and it's funny because everybody always complained. They they want less government, less government. Don't want don't want the government telling them what to do. But deep down inside, you you're inviting the government, and they mm-hmm. you telling the government the government is telling you you don't live right here. Mm-hmm. We're gonna give you this amount of money a month. We're gonna sit you in this place. Uh, just enough to survive. Just enough. Just keep you just over that line. Keep you over that line. Keep you happy, appeased, and you're not gonna work. I'm gonna work for you know what I mean to that 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 million dollar house or that yeah. that uh, great school system. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not always all or nothing. Exactly. You know. Exactly. I we, we made the I made the analogy one time of, of Apple mm-hmm. like. You got Apple iPhone, and everybody loved that little iPhone jack. Yeah, yeah, The headphone jack, the right? The headphone jack, And then yeah. Apple's like, you're not getting that anymore. Yeah, nah, Or Apple's that. like, hey, I really like this button that I push. Uh-huh. And they're like, you're not getting that anymore. Nah, we're we're just making that. Like, yeah. And it made un- people unhappy, and there was something different. But you still have to have that thing where society has to progress, and sometimes you have to make people unhappy. Absolutely. But people adapt. Yeah. Humanity's adaptable. We've been doing it for thousands of years, right? We didn't. <laughs> <laughs> look, we're not out there you know, getting eaten by lions for a reason, right? Exactly. <laughs> like, Hey, we won. Exactly, we won the evolutionary right. thing. And there's a reason why we won that it's evolution. more than a, a, a opposable dump, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that. We're not doing this anymore. And we won evolution based on those things, yes, by our, our reasoning and things. And we haven't always been... Also, the nature of man is not always to be perfect, perfect or, or no, to be no, all that. At all. There is conflict and there is yes. that and you have to rise above that. And there yes. are things that we have to always constantly do. But it always comes down to work Yes, absolutely. and individual choice. Yes, and innovation, man. Innovation, yeah. individual choice. Yes. So if you were, we have an election today, you're elected mayor of wherever. Yeah. What, what, what would be like one or two policies that you would love to implement? So I would incentivize education. So... Um, I think the education system is is crazy, especially when it goes to higher learning. So I would incentivize, even though there's grants out there, all right, you have this grade, you know what I mean? So if you have this GPA coming out of high school, okay, that means your your, your college is going to be a little bit cheaper, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And as you, while you're in college, you're not just you're not just studying to be a C student to get through college. Yeah. If you put in the work, the extra work and everything like that, Oh, your college is going to be a little bit cheaper. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that will give you a head start when you're getting out of college. You know what yeah. I mean? So, like, my my personal, not mostly because I had athletics that paid for a lot of my schooling, but a lot of you Handsome guys, and athletic. Hey, man. Some people get it all. Hey, you know? Hey, Some man. people get the smile I and the hops. Hey, hey, it's how it is. <laughs> but like I said, I got a lot of guys, you know, teachers. That One of my best friends is a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um he went to school, you know, studied education, got his master's A, left school, a hundred thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars in debt. You know what I mean? On a teacher's teacher salary. On a teacher's salary. On a teacher's salary. Now, but one thing he you, you I have to say about him, he definitely furthered himself. He with hard work, not only being a teacher, he, he went got his master's. Then he got another side hustle and he got he became a, a therapist. Mm-hmm. So now he's working his way out of, out of debt and everything like that. But it's hard work, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But th- th- that's the only thing I would incentivize, man. Just the education system having uh, less debt as you come out of college through hard work. Yeah. Not just giving it to you. Yeah. Hard work. And I would argue that giving it is what helps rise the cost of, of oh, yeah. a, a university. When yeah. you look at... 
I would say that there's always there's lobbyists that mm-hmm. fight for all these public programs. Why? Mm-hmm. Because everybody gets rich off them. Not yeah. not everybody else. Not yeah. the low. But when you've got a healthcare system that government pays for the thing, subsidizes, pays, pays for everything. And what that gives it, that gives hospitals the license to charge, charge as much whatever. as they want. And also, if you go back to like when I say incentives, um, if you give if you give a guy a, a person a gym, he has a gym membership. You know what I mean? And he can write that off as tax. He can text unhealthy foods, mm-hmm. um, have uh, healthier foods cheaper and stuff like that. You have incentives that the government would give you tax breaks. Just like good driving. Yeah, when yeah, you've yeah. got car insurance, exactly. you get in, you get a lower you get a lower rate if you're a better driver. Exactly. Why does that happen? Yeah, because better, they want to incentivize better want, health. You get a lower rate. You know what I mean? Yeah. You you incentivize good personal choices. Exactly. And when you incentivize good personal choices. People make better, good personal exactly. choices. When you oh, make my. everything, like they're seeing it in SUNY schools in New York, they have made everything free. But you're seeing that grades are going down, or they're incentivizing just here. letting people go just by. Just here, like yeah. here. People fighting uh, for that government funding. Exactly. So I, I, you know, I deal with a lot of a lot of youth in in, in the city. I'm I'm in this uh, mentoring program that helps uh, student athletes get into colleges and everything like that. We stick with them through at least the first two years of college. Cause you know what? They might be B students in mm-hmm. Baltimore City, then they go to college, they're D students. Yeah. So we gotta navigate help them. We give them additional resources in college, you know what I mean, for they can succeed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because they, they were they didn't get it in high school. Yeah. And just a little thing, just a little things like, you know, presenting yourself, you know, how you should look in an interview, how you should look in a uh like uh, I'll give you an example. Um we take uh kids uh, to coaches, you know what I mean, you know, recruiting and everything. Let them see outside of the city and everything. It's more than Baltimore City. Yeah. And I make sure I buy them a five dollar, ten dollar polo shirt or khaki pants, because that's the that's the interview. When you yeah. when you talking to these coaches, they're not just looking at your athletics. They're looking at you as a person. Yeah. And that first impression, you don't have to have Gucci down all this. They don't care about that. Mm-hmm. You have a nice polo on. You clean cut. You know how to talk properly. You sit up in the chair. They look at that's that brings value to you. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the same thing when you look at life skills. Mm-hmm. We talked about if you're going to have an education, there are also life skills. And in Japan, when you get to eighth grade, mm-hmm. you're decided whether you're going to trade school or going mm-hmm. on to education. Yeah. And same thing, and during that time, but you still have to learn things like. Investing. Investing. IRA. Why is that not taught in school? That, those are two other things that should be budgeting. Taught. Budgeting. We talk about how um, how how expensive it is to buy your be, eat out every eat day, out every or day, not go to the grocery store and meal prep. You know I mean? How much how much cheaper that would be on you, man? Yeah. Simple finances and simple, things like that. Simple finances. So that, I get taught that. Yeah. So when you utilize that, you're given the tools to make good individual choices mm-hmm. and not rely on somebody else. Same thing we have with trash. Exactly. It's not always somebody else's job. Responsibility to pick up your trash. No. You got, no it's you yours. It's your yard. It's your yard. Pick yeah. it up. Your it's your body. Yeah, Go for farm. a run. Yeah. Don't eat, don't eat unhealthy. Yeah. And it's you. I, I think that the thing that I have... The diagnosis of critical race theory of things is just like you said. There are certainly um, things that have been put in place and uh, things that have put people back. But at the same point, you have to incentivize good choices and rewards. Exactly. And and like you see with the critical race theory, they're teaching you why why are we behind, right? But they're not teaching us the things that we need to do as a society, as a a race, as a community to get out of those places. Mm -hmm. And that's the only thing about that. But I think it should be taught. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Everybody, you need to know that. Need to, everybody needs to know it. But also give me, uh, everything's bad, but this is how we should see. Yeah. And, and, and not always the answer isn't always look for somebody else to save exactly. me. Exactly. You can save yourself. Yeah. You got to give them the harsh answers. The harsh, that's the, the thing. It's the, the harsh. harsh. Sometimes the truth is just like you yeah. said. Sometimes you got to work harder. You got to work harder. That's it. That's it. It's not fair. It's not fair. But nobody's going to do it for you. You got to deal with it. Nobody's going to do it for you. Nobody's yeah. going to make you a great. And at some point, you're going to be an adult. And somebody's going to make your own food choices, yeah. your own, what are you going to do, exercise choices. Somebody's going to make your own financial choices. Mm-hmm. And somebody's going to make your own uh, family choices. Yeah. Are, you going to, are you going to have a nucleus family? Or are you going to just be like, no, I don't even care about having mm-hmm. family. family, individual choice, and things like that. Those I'm going to tell, tell you a story. I have my best friends in jail for, he committed a crime when we were in 11th grade. He got life, but now he got it reduced to 35 years. Right, we had this conversation. We were talking on the phone about two weeks ago, man. And he was like, "Bro, me and him, same educational level. We was in the same classes, everything." But he was like, "Man, you know what, man? You always was the smart one in in the group." I'm like, "Nah, I wasn't the smart one. I always made the best choices in the group mm-hmm. out of, that we grew up in. That's it. The yeah. the, the the correct choices. And that's because I I was guided by people in my family that told me the truth about things. You know yeah. what I mean? So, you know what I mean." People just telling me the truth got me here and got him where he's at. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he's working on himself in that. And that's one thing I, I, I can tell about. He's working on himself. He got a GED. He's teaching courses, keeping himself active. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even though before he can hopefully spend the rest of his life making society better. Yeah. I mean, he's got he's got life experience in yeah. himself to be able to bring oh, out the job. Absolutely. And, 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 then like, and even when that, I try to make him feel important. So I have him... Some of the kids that I mentor, I have him write letters. If I I see a kid that's going down the right path, mm-hmm. I have him write write a letter to this kid and I give it to him. Yeah. And so, but this choices that you made, that he made, you can, you are making them right now and send you right there where he's at right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. I mean, that's all. That's exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. Great messages and stuff like that. And. Like I said, I always said, you're the one person in my life. I'm really good at making everybody do the dumb yeah. shit I want to do. Yeah. I can't make, you do, can't make you do the dumb shit. Can't make you wear the vest for the marathon. Nah, nah, nah. Can't make not, you do the dumb shit. Not I got some dumb workout I want to try. Nah. Nah, <laughs> not, not at all, man. I know my well, limits, yeah. man. You've always been your own man. And I think Sorry. that's it. But why is that? Again, you were told the truth. You understood what choices were. And you right. understand what choices were. And that, how you become a success, you pay to become a mentor great father a great leader in the in the department you've done all these things and the reason is because you knew early age 13 whatever it was your choices it's earlier than that your yeah your choices were going to end up where you are today right. your choices have made you the man you are now right uh, is there anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, man, you know, I'll to... let you leave, man. I'll let you leave, bro. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I think that's good, man. I think that we'll wrap it up with that. I think that's I'm a good way to end. Got and, it. And uh, again, Mario, thanks for coming on as always. You're a fan favorite. Yes, sir. Yes, you, sir. You, you, hey, man, I do like to say I, I coach this little uh, elite football team that, man, uh, we have a GoFundMe. We, um, it's a traveling uh, football team. It's going out in the fall. Uh, AA Elite. So we're t- taking some of the you know, better skilled uh, players from Anne Arundel County mm-hmm. and uh, we're putting them on this one team and uh, this was the first time we uh, started the organization up uh, this year we you know checked their grades um, sending like we had private school guys yeah. uh, 
looking at them and everything, thing like that. But uh, we take these kids and we we taking them to Richmond. They're gonna be playing football in North Carolina and also Florida, and just giving them the you know a little uh, a sample of the world real yeah. quick. You know how college might be, you know what I mean, or even high school might be, and giving them a good outlook on that. So if uh, if you ever see that as a elite. Um, we were sponsored by, uh, we're backed by uh, Anne Arundel County, uh, Annapolis Area Christian School. Mm-hmm. They're helping us out a lot. But um, I'll put the, I'll put links in. Yeah, there. I'll put it, the links it, in. Man. And yeah, and look, there's one thing I say, Mario. It's not about just about the football. He is no, a true no. mentor for all these things. Absolutely. I mean, man, I mean, what a, sports I, is such a great avenue. Yes, it is for teaching everything. And then, and I'll pick my lane too. You know what I'm saying? I'm not an engineer. My girl's an engineer. I'm electrical. Uh, uh, um, electrical engineer. I'm not an engineer, so I go. Sports got me. You know, sports helped me get to where I was at. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean in, in life. So that's all I do. Can take things that I know and help help these kids get where they want to go. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. So if you're an engineer, you know what I mean start an engineering group up, or if you're a, a plumber, doesn't matter. Mentor some kids that yeah. you know what I mean. Pick your lane. Yeah, I mean everybody can't be an athlete. Everybody can't be a, a book. You can't be book smart. But you gotta pick your lane. Teach these kids how you got to you where you got. That's a great example. And, and whatever you have, you have something to offer yeah. to people. Whether you whether you think you don't or you, you think you do or you don't. If you if you're a success, you have things to offer to somebody yes, who's sir. who's kid who may. Maybe doesn't want to do football. Maybe wants to do something else, like you're saying, an engineering exactly. or something like that. Exactly. Like so I take your time that. out. Give something back. And I will put the links in. Would you say it one more time? A U Elite. A Elite. A Elite. Yep, yep. And then we'll put links in there and stuff like that. We'll get it all set up. But yeah, absolutely. Going doing great things as always, Mario. It was a pleasure having you. Thank you. Smile to Kate. Look at that. Look at that. Oh my God. Made melt your heart. Melt your heart. All right. Thank you, my man. As always. Thank you. Appreciate it. Always, though.